All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast brought to you by the NC Fit Collective. I am here with a longtime friend, uh, CrossFit business extraordinaire, uh, athlete, coach, competitor himself, Whoa, former lawyer, way back. right? Former lawyer, yeah. uh, CJ. And uh, CJ's with Invictus, owner, uh, founder, yep. Invictus, right? Yep. So, guys, I, I am super excited to sit down with CJ. We are here at the Granite Games. And, you know, I saw him walking in the halls. I'm like, bro, we got to sit down and talk business for, give me 20 minutes. Let's just go ahead and chat and see what's going on. And especially in the landscape right now with the games changing and things like that, I'd love to hear how that impacts your business. What does that look like? And uh, discuss, you know, kind of where did Invictus start? So sure. if it's good with you, 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's do it. All right. We got this AMRAP starting, ladies and gentlemen, in three, two, one, and let's rock and roll. So we met years ago. Uh, the Invictus brand is is very well known, obviously in the CrossFit space, and you guys currently have three locations. How did Invictus get started? Did it get started in San Diego? In and how did that all come to be? And then even before that, what were you doing before you got into CrossFit? Yeah, I um, so I I grew up playing sports, boxing and uh, taekwondo, and playing baseball in college. Long story, make it very short, We I went to law school, got really sedentary, needed to find an outlet, was working at a large international law firm, found CrossFit at CrossFit San Diego, started training, just loved it, went to the 2007 games, realized, man, I love this stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Read every article that had ever been published in a very short time span, started working for CrossFit headquarters as a level one coach. And eventually realized, like, I need to, I need to make, you know, this my career because I was yeah. so passionate about it. Were you a lawyer at the time? I was a lawyer working a 60 to 80 hour week. So I had this crazy schedule. The owners of CrossFit San Diego moved out. Lugo, right? Yeah, the Lugos moved yeah. out to be with the Glassmans. And uh, I basically took over, right? And so I was, I was running classes. I was running the gym, writing programming, running the blog. Still working 60 to 80 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. And trying to train myself occasionally. And, um, at some point I realized, I mean, my schedule, I was honestly sleeping four and a half hours a night in order to do this, and but I loved it. This, this was, I was, well, shoot, I'm 41 now. So I was 30, 30 years old. Oh so. man, you were crushing it. And yeah. So, so, you know, I remember crossing San Diego very well. Yeah. I actually got my level one there. I remember. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, that was a, that was a really cool experience. Had a great time. And, you know, so when did it, so the Lugos, they took off, you were doing a lot mm -hmm. of the work and then. When did you decide to kind of go off on your own and do your own gym? Why didn't you yeah. just take over across to San Diego? I offered. I, I, that, that was the plan. I, I asked them. I said, hey, uh, I'd like to find you guys a new location. There was some, a lot of issues. The mats were molding, all sorts of stuff. And and, uh, and appro approached Lisa. They, they had their own stuff going on yeah. at the time. But, and said, well, hey. They had the garage gym store. Remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were in and they had a lot a lot of other things going on that, you know, made things complicated. But I basically offered, I said, Hey, why don't I why don't I either buy you guys out, why don't I partner with you? And um uh, and uh, you know, I won't go into the details of that, but essentially that wasn't an option for them. Um and so I said, Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna be done then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it took about four months where I just kind of went dark and you know, practiced law. You were still practicing law. Yep, yeah, stopped coaching but uh, but realize I love doing this stuff. I mean, I was I was willing to damn near kill myself physically 
sleeping four hours a night to pursue this passion while I still had this, you know, very high profile legal job. And, um, I realized, man, if, if I'm that passionate about it, I should just make a go out of it. And, uh, and so I jumped in and originally I was going to keep my law job and do 50%, you know, 50% schedule, which is 40 hours a week in in law and then, uh, and then run this gym on the side. And as that approached, I got the keys to a facility on the day before Thanksgiving. We did the whole demo ourselves. And this was back in 2008. Yeah, 2008. And um, and as we got into December 2008, I said, you know what? If you're going to be successful at anything, you got to go all in. Yeah. You got to commit to it. And so uh, I went back into my managing partner's office and said, you know what? December 31 is going to be my last day. I'm going to kick this thing off and. I mean, honestly, Jason, I, I thought I might live off of ramen noodles for yeah. the next <laughs> couple of years. Okay I had no idea. You were, you were following care. your passion. You I, were, you I didn't care. I knew I had to do it. And you had been coaching. You had been writing session plans, writing, you know, mm-hmm. you had been doing that for a while there at Cross yeah. San Diego. About 18 months, I, I did all that on my own. So, it, and, and people ask me all the time, hey, how do I transition out of my career? I want to do something that I love. And uh, I, did, I did not have this leap of faith story, right? Like I spent 18 months doing both and damn near killing myself in the process. But the result was that after 18 months, I knew. Yeah, you were ready. I knew that I wanted to do this because so many people that we see, oh. they jump in because they love training, right? But training and being a coach are two totally different things. Training and being an owner, two different things, right? I mean, and, and, you know, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. A lot of people, and I'm sure you see this a lot, they get started as a hobby instead of looking at it as a business. And for you, I think you're a really good testament for anybody listening of someone who had the earned confidence through, you know, 18 months of in-depth dedication to a, to another gym to, to then when you were ready to open up your own doors, not only do you have a law background, and I'm sure you had some cash saved up from all the different work you had done, but you also then had all this practice from CrossFit San Diego, so you're ready to rock and roll. Right. So when you opened up the doors, why the name Invictus? Yeah, because... Uh, and was uh, it Invictus I mean, from the beginning? Yes, Invictus from the beginning. And it's funny, when you choose a name, right, you, you focus group and you ask all your friends, hey, what do you think about this one? And you did this. And I did that with about four different names. And in fact, we I thought we were going to open with a different one, CrossFit Vitality, which eventually somebody picked up. I'm sure, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But... Um, and and I asked a bunch of people and they were like, yeah, we like it. And I was like, oh, okay. And one day I was in the shower and I'm showering and I thought about the Invictus poem, which was yep. taught to me by my grandfather. I literally, I think I still had soap. I shut the shower off. I ran to my computer, registered the domain name. And then, like, called my family and said, I, the gym's called Invictus. <laughs> it was just like, I'm not asking anybody. Yeah, yeah. This is what it's going to well, be. Well, it's, like, oh, it's almost like when you're having a baby and you're trying to pick the name. Yeah. And if you let too many people weigh into it and start <laughs> messing with you, you've got to roll with something. And it's never going to be perfect, but you just roll it and you build right. your brand. And right. speaking of that, so you open up the doors, yeah. uh, 2008, and Invictus, you, you could have called it anything you wanted. Yeah. But you put in the hard work right. to then build that brand. Now, yeah. when I think about Invictus, I think about, obviously, green. The yep. sea of green, and you've done a really good job from the sport of fitness, but also you have a you know tight knit community, and I think that's a very unique perspective for your gym that I haven't really seen. You know, there's a few gyms in the in the space that you know and I know that do you know things a little bit better than others, right? Mm-hmm. You have multiple locations, you have uh, obviously a lot of athletes, and so what did that process look like from when you started? What did what did CJ's day look like when you first started? Sure. And now how has that shifted? Like. 
how has the staff gone from, you know, yeah. you probably had no coaches right. or one coach, right. so now you have multiple coaches. Like, how did yeah. that, w- w- tell me about the beginning days. Yeah. So two different things there. Let me, let me address the, the, you know, how we started and how we built, because it, it comes back to the name. That Invictus concept is all about mindset. And for us, what we're trying to develop is character, right? And physical fitness is a great tag along, but that's our medium, right? And so when we look at our community and we say, we've built a community, we've also built athletes, we've done it the exact same way, right? So we don't treat our athletes different than we treat the other people. Right. Anybody that comes in, we say, hey, what's your goal? How can we help you achieve the goal? Right. And always through education, support, and encouragement, Right. Whether they're trying to win the CrossFit games or whether they're trying to lose 100 pounds, it doesn't matter. They still need those three prongs. And so we've been entirely consistent. So a lot of people say, well, how do you do with the athletes and and the community? I'm like, it's the same thing. Everybody that comes in has a goal. Our job is to try to help them achieve their goal. But from the day-to-day standpoint, man, it's been crazy. I'm sure, you know, your experience has been uh, the same. But it's like we started off, I mean— I coached from 6 a.m. until 8 yeah. p.m. Yeah, you were the, and, you were the, you know, the coach, I, the manager, the finance officer. Yeah, I mean, I and, mean and, and I remember days, I'm sure you, you had this where, like, you know, not to be crass about it, but it would be 8 p.m. and I'd be running into the house, realize I hadn't gone to the bathroom, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I had, to be, I had to go to the bathroom for eight hours, and I was, like, running into yeah. the house just to, just to find that one time where I could actually just relax. Yeah, because you were coach, restroom. coach, 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 coach. Yeah. And, and I totally get that, and I think, you know, a lot of owners feel the same way is that they're in there they're coaching mm-hmm. six seven hours a day but their their business gets to a certain point and they kind of stall out yeah. so what did you do to to grow because obviously six seven hours a day is just not necessarily sustainable right. so or, or of coaching or and yeah. that's of coaching not to mention you're there all day so what was the next step yeah for, you? for me i had an incredible team of individuals and i wish i could sit here and say oh i created systems and all that and that it's just not true that, that was never kind of the thing that i was good at i've had to work hard to learn some of that stuff over the years but i had some really important people around me that were as passionate as i was and how did you identify those people you know they they were just for for whatever reason it was a small community smaller community back in 2008 when we were starting right and um so they gravitated toward us and a lot of good people gravitated towards crossfit yeah. what was doing and then I, I think that there's you know there's a leadership aspect where if you're in it and you're passionate about it and then you've got you know four others around you then all of a sudden you get this gravitational pull and everybody realizes hey we want to go to that place because they're all interested in learning they're all interested in continually improving themselves so over the years you've had teams at the games you've had individuals at the games Mm -hmm. from you know lauren garrett camille you name it a lot of people right and your team won the affiliate cup in 2014 14 yeah okay so i'm gonna start by asking this question do you believe that you having a team at the games or individuals who train your gym that go to the games mm-hmm. has a direct impact on your in-the-box business? Now, I'm not talking yeah. about online programming. I'm not talking yeah. about the seminars you put on because I know those are different revenue streams. Yeah. But those revenue streams, I would refer to them as anomalies right? because of what you've – Sure. Right? So for a gym owner listening, yeah, do you believe that they should – do you believe there's an ROI for sending a team to the games? Do you, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, see, this is such a great question. I mean, I, I love the quote, you know, you want better answers, ask better questions. But this, the question understands the issue, which is that those things, having a competitive team is a separate business 
than running your community, right? right? And you may use the same principles as we do to run them, but at you know when you're asking that question, what's your goal? You have to understand that the goal of an elite level competitor is very different from the goal of the person that walks in and says, yeah, I, you know, I'd like to have more energy around my kids. Right. Okay, your training is different. The atmosphere in the gym has to be different. The equipment is totally different, right? right. Yeah. And so I see people outfit these local gyms with 100 members with oh. four ropes and 15 GHDs. Oh. And I think, And two what? assault runners. <laughs> like, and, why and does anybody need these? It, yes. Yes, yeah. completely. So, um, so yeah, I, I would say, you know, I don't know that the, if anything, there's a part of me that thinks that our competitive uh, experience and success has actually been a detraction to some people. Right. We have to overcome. I mean, people are intimidated by CrossFit in general. People are really intimidated when they're they're Looking coming the to a CrossFit and yeah. say, oh, this gym is known for putting individuals and teams to games now they think oh they're the serious gym i'm like no we have people that are losing 100 pounds we have people that you know have never done anything in their life right we've got an, a 70 you know what 78 year old you know client you have, you have the everyday and yeah. so to, to caveat to to jump start this you've sent teams to the games and the individual you recognize that there's a barrier to entry because not only are you talking about crossfit now you're talking about competitive crossfit as a stigma of your gym Right. But I believe that's a stigma. It's not the, the reality. I'd assume you would agree sure. that it, in your gym, for you to st to have a profitable location, taking everything else aside, mm -hmm. right? Let's just look at the revenue streams of your two, three locations mm -hmm. now. I assume, I hope they're profitable on their own mm -hmm. with the membership base. How do you overcome the perception? Yeah. Man, it's tough. It's and it's a it's a constant fight for us. Um, we we do it by you know trying to be overly welcoming right and trying to make sure that their experience when they come in they normally are meeting one-on-one -on -one with a coach they're being asked their goals and all of that and so that they understand that we're there for them not the other way around and so you started that now you had one location for how many years before you opened another one we had let's see we were four years in um when we opened our second location and why did you open a second location? <laughs> because we had to. And this is, I, I mean, when I, I people ask me, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about opening a second location. I'm like, don't do it unless you have to. Right. We had a 5,000 square foot facility with locker rooms. So our, our usable space was like 3,700 yep. yep. square feet, right? And we had 400 members. So we opened a gym that was, you know, less than three miles away just because we needed a, 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 you know, safety valve to get some of our members into another place because we had members coming in to warm up and the gym was so packed that, you know, they're laying on the floor, foam rolling, and a barbell's a foot from their head. Yeah. And uh, and so we had to do And it. you were running a single-class model or dual-class model? In that Single-class. Single-class model. And but so, we had single-class and semi-private coaching. Occurring at the same time. Yeah. And so, you know, we like to say that at the what we've seen in our gyms, is 100 members per every thousand square feet is kind of a good like goal yeah um so in you would be yep. in alignment with that right yeah 100 sure. members per every thousand square feet of usable space yep. so if you have 5,000 square feet and you only have 100 members there's a lot of room to grow right but if you're at 4,000 square feet now it, there starts to become this weirdness where you're having classes of 30 40 people is it better to put a wall up and have two small classes that's a different sure, discussion sure. so you opened up because you had to you're expanding rapidly yep. and now what is a you know, for a gym owner listening, what was the biggest lesson you learned 
going from one location to two in terms of keeping the quality high? What did you do to do that? Oh, man. Um, that was the hardest lesson that I think we've learned in business is that um, when you have one location, you can get by with great people. When you go to multiple locations, you have to have systems in place. <laughs> and yeah. um, and because your people are now spread out. And yep. you as the owner, I, I mean, I've really struggled with it. Now we have three, is that if I'm in one place all the time, then they think I'm doing great. But yep. the other two gyms never see me. Yep. If I try to split my time, all three gyms think he's never yep. around. It's and really so, tough. so it is very hard. You have to have the right people. You have to have the right culture and you have to have systems. And you know, that's, that is still like a daily challenge for me. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head for anybody listening. who's looking to open a second location. If the first location you can get away with it, just having good people, good, whatever, all of a sudden you go to two to keep that consistent theme. You need to have systems, procedures. That's one of the reasons why we came up with, you know, our in-depth, you know, NC Fit Collective is session plans programming. That we sent an app out to all of our coaches yeah. to then review and coach the same way. We have job leveling criteria. We have yeah. you know, all these different things that you don't really think about, but you need to if you want to expand. And and so for you, you know, you got the three locations. You have um, online competitor programming. Right. You have the camps. You do these are additional revenue streams. You've added kind of legs to your table, for lack of a better sure. term. Why did you decide to continue to grow? Why, why does CJ want three gyms? Yeah. Why does he want to have online programming and generate this type of revenue? I imagine there's more of a headache. Your staff's gotten bigger. <laughs> like, why are you doing it? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, we always joke. Like, if I wanted to be personally just wealthy, right, I would probably just do the online stuff because your overhead is so yeah. low. But the reason we do it and the reason that we love the gym space, one, it's our laboratory. Of course, we have to actually coach in the gym in order to know what we would program for online clients. But more importantly, it's people. It's that I get to employ, you know, 40 people that get to do their dream job and get to help people and make the world a better place where, you know, if I took the gyms away, I don't get to do that. Yeah. And I think there's something really important that you I need to mention about you. I don't believe you would have the online success right. without your brick and mortar success. Yep. And I think that's really important for people to recognize is that the social media days, everybody's all wrapped up in it. And I get it. Mm -hmm. But unless you have a tangible product, I think long term, it starts to become tough. Like you need yeah. to have something where you're saying, hey, look, this is an actual like our testing grounds. Right. right. Versus someone just creating it. And, and, you know, and that's also your way you've built your reputation, which yeah. allows you to do this kind of thing. I believe in that wholeheartedly. It's It gets frustrating because we see kind of the opposite. We see people leading with marketing and online programs that haven't done anything in a physical location. And um, But, you know, we focus on what we're doing, right? Well, and for me, it's just the the power of actually seeing the people in person, right? So if if I'm writing a program like our Invictus Athlete program and we're following a week ahead... I make adjustments so that the online followers yeah. can benefit from that based on what we're doing in the gym. And we do the same thing. Like at, at, at NC Fit, you know, we have thousands of members across the globe that are doing these workouts and we're getting feedback from our coaches and from us yep. so that when we put this program out to other gym owners, right. um, you know, we're sharing it with a lot of locations, a lot of people. It's not like we have one location or no location. Right. We're getting actual feedback, which I think is really important and I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the gyms grew, the, the, the competitor. Now, you know, with the last couple of minutes here, 
right now is a, a very interesting time for the CrossFit Games. Mm -hmm. where, where do you see it going? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, any change is difficult, and it's interesting to see how people react, right? And uh, I'm excited about it. I think that, one, the sport of fitness is not dead, right? Nope. Whether it, whether it comes under the CrossFit umbrella or whether somebody picks up the banner and says, hey, we're going to create a, a competitive fitness league, people will train for the sport of fitness. And so I'm excited at this point, you know, maybe CrossFit runs with it in a really cool new direction or maybe somebody else picks it up and we create new opportunities for athletes and new sponsorship opportunities and all of these things. Um but I'm also excited that maybe there is going to be a little bit more of a split between sport and community and fitness yeah. because I think that they are two different things, and I think we need to acknowledge that. And I think we've been saying that for years. I think we need to do a better job of just – I mean, look, I've been a proponent for years. I know you have just, hey, it's the fittest on earth competition, and then you have CrossFit. Yep. And because we've always been saying, oh, well, the CrossFit Games aren't CrossFit. Well, they're called the CrossFit Games. So, yeah. But, you know, who knows what the future will ho hold – I'm confident just like I was early when I got into CrossFit. There's been a lot of changes in the games over the years, right? And we're still here, still right. doing well. And especially with you guys and Invictus athletes, we love watching you guys from the from the outside. Uh, you've obviously been doing something right. We've both learned a lot of lessons learned. But I think, you know, something that you said that you know, was really interesting to me is just, you know, identifying good people from the beginning and that, you know, this stuff didn't just fall in your lap. No one just gave you anything. You've earned it over the last 10 years to build up the reputation of Invictus. And that's really cool for gym owner to understand that there's not just like this immediate gratification. Start providing a good product and just stay consistent for a long period of time. And I think you're going to see good things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the hard hard work is uh, is not an optional factor here. Well, aren't you glad that you uh, kind of quit the, the law job? and Never, never looked back after the day I left. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a big testament to you you know, kind of really getting your feet wet before you, and then jumping in. And so guy, where, where can you find CJ? Where can you find you? Are you on, where can, what's, oh, what's the website? What's, I'm what's, not, I'm not a social media yeah. guy at all. Um, if you go to uh, my Instagram, you'll see a lot of my kids, yeah. uh, that, you know, they're, they're the kind of lifeblood of my Instagram stream, but, uh, crossfitinvictus.com is kind of where we, we hold everything. And then our Invictus portals are where we post about training and athlete development and all that. Awesome. Well, guys, if you want to check them out, check out CJ. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank and you. And I'll let you get back to your athletes here at the Grand Games. Awesome. Thanks, right, buddy. Bro.